Today, we're going to talk about the most annoying and frustrating flip I've ever done. And guess what? It was this year, 2020. Welcome REI Society. Thank you guys for continuously listening. So grateful for you. You just don't know how much I'm grateful for all of you. I am so grateful and it's easy to be grateful in this holiday season. I mean, we're only a few days away from Christmas. Like this is the best time to be grateful because it allows you to spend more time with your friends and your family. You get more time with your thoughts and then you slow down and it makes you realize how grateful you are for your position of where you are and what you have and you know, your relationships and your, your, your family and friends and so on and so forth. So with that said, I am so grateful for this learning experience from this frustrating flip I had earlier this year. Earlier this year, I purchased a property in a certain neighborhood in Atlanta. When I talk about neighborhoods in Atlanta, uh, they're not really like subdivisions. They are neighborhoods. You've got Kirkwood and Inman Park and East Atlanta Village and Collier Heights and Grant Park and so on and so forth. This one I bought in Collier Heights. Um, This property specifically was a brick ranch that had a basement that was finished, but honestly, the property looked like shit. Somehow, my contractor worked a miracle. He's telling me he lost money on this one, by the way, but he worked a miracle and remodeled this property for me for $50,000. We probably put $55,000. You'd think that I would have done really, really well on it. But today is actually the day I'm selling it. I've owned this damn thing since February, and we're mid-December at this point. Why did this flip take so long? Being a a type of house that most people are excited about owning, a three-bedroom, two-bath brick ranch with a finished basement, it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a split, like a tri-level house almost the way it is. Uh, We actually have five bedrooms and three bathrooms in this house in totality. And it's beautiful. Well, to be honest with you, the property itself said that, uh, or the property itself said that it was the best remodel period for me. Uh, I thought that I was going to buy this property and just freaking crush it. I mean, it spelled success. It spelled and smelled success. But unfortunately, it wasn't. We started renovating the property. We do what we always do. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not gonna pull permits unless I just have to. I really avoid it because it slows your business down. And a lot of my contractors, they just, it just, it would just slow them down. So in Atlanta, in the city of Atlanta, it's ridiculous and, and you just don't do it if you don't have to. Unless you're a GC and you got relationships and you can get in and around them. I'm not encouraging you to not pull permits or, or to do so. In reality, you're supposed to, so talk to your advisors if you pull permits or not. That's on you, not you know me recommending to do one way or the other. But we were we were probably a good 30% of the way. We took this historic home in this area in a neighborhood called Collier Heights, and we pulled out windows, put vinyl windows. We we're looking at different uh, um, schemes to do with the property. So basically, we modernized it on the inside. We took this old dingy home, busted out walls, put LVL beams, and then we painted the brick. And there's a couple brick homes that were painted in the street. New windows, 
brand new vinyl windows and brick. But by the time we painted that brick, we had people come in and shut us down. They had code enforcement. The neighbors called code enforcement on us and that set off this cataclysmic effect that pushed me into just now being able to sell this property. Literally, February, think about it. February, we bought this home, we were going after hardcore, and then I got shut down at late February, early March, and guess what comes next? Coronavirus shut down all across the nation. Coronavirus shut down all across the nation. Crazy, right? So we are shut down and I have to find out why. And I'm calling people and nobody's answering because nobody's in the offices at the, at the time. So I'm working and working and networking hard. Finally get some people, they answer the phone, said, you need to talk to this other person. Talk to them. They say, you need to talk to this person. Talk to them, no, you need to talk to that person. So that was really crazy and annoying in itself, trying to track down the right person to talk to. By the time I got to the right person to talk to, they told me that you're not allowed to paint brick in this neighborhood and you're not allowed to change windows out without permission. Well, I said, well, I get the window thing, but there's painted brick homes all throughout here. And the authority I talked to in the city and, and the design, who was an amazing woman who really helped me out through this process, she said that you're not allowed to do this and these people who are painting the brick most likely have a lien on their property and when they go to sell it, they're going to have to pay some major hefty fines and strip that paint. I'm like, oh shoot, that's not good. <laughs> Thank God that's not me. Um, I said, look, we're gonna go ahead and strip the paint. I'm gonna get this thing worked out and I'll be back in touch. She said, okay. We go, I, ca I call my guys, I say, strip the paint. They're like, well, we have a shutdown. I say, I don't care, strip the damn paint. So we strip the paint, we're sandblasting, we'll get this place looking good. And then I go back to this authority in the city, send pictures, and they're looking at this property and like, yeah, this looks great. Um, let me see what I can do to help you get it where you can start working again. So they gave me authority to start working again, but there's the caveat. I have to replace the windows back to the, the, other, the other type of windows that were there, the metal windows, the old school 1950s metal windows that were originally there. And I'm like, why? We don't have them. We don't have them. They were broken, busted, disgusted. Like, why will we have to put these back in? They weren't usable. She said, well, we can't prove that they weren't usable. And the fact that you have to have permission, you have to have those in before we allow you to replace them in the first place. Well, I said, that's not going to happen. I said, there's only, there's no way to do that. They're dumpstered. They're gone. They're trashed away. I have no idea what happened to them and they were just terrible condition originally anyways. So with that said, we got to the point where I was going back and forth. I sat down in different meetings and they brought me to this board committee in this neighborhood, uh, um, I guess planning revitalization. I don't even remember what the uh, committee was, but it was a basically design committee for this neighborhood. They brought me before uh, with, with the different city officials and they basically told me that I have to replace this with a replica window. Now, can you imagine a gray silver replica window from the 1950s that have top and bottom windows that you have crank turns that you have to open 
with a crank. Where the freak am I gonna find that? But I said, okay, yeah, okay. Well, we start tracking it down. We can't find anything like this. So I give them what I can find, which is as close as I can, sent them the paperwork. They said, go for it, go ahead and get it ordered. Now the problem is I can't get it ordered. Everybody shut down on production because of coronavirus. Now we're already in the month of like end of May, early June, and it's starting to really get frustrating. I'm paying interest. I can't work on the home. I'll be honest with you. I shut down the home uh, as far, like I'm supposed to from the outside, but I told my guys keep working on the inside. I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna let this freaking shutdown kill me. And I'm paying interest like $1,700, $1,800 a month every single month on this property. This property is not gonna kill me. Like we're not gonna be destroyed by some stupid freaking virus. So I had to use my wits. I had my guys working on weekends and I had them working at nights. And we finished that house with all the paper, you know, blacked out in the windows. I, I talked to the lady next door. I gave her a little money for, for allowing us to, to work and, and disturb. She's fine. She's like, I don't understand why they won't let you paint this property in the first place. I thought it was more beautiful when it was more, when it was painted uh, this, this grayish white color that you put on it. The fact that they made you sandblast that was ridiculous. I said, I agree. She said, well, I don't understand why you can't put vinyl windows in here. You should be able to do whatever you want to do. I got vinyl windows. I said, I know. They won't let me because I didn't ask permission. And you know, here's the thing guys, I didn't realize I had to ask permission or, or permission. I'm in this property in a neighborhood where other people have vinyl windows and other people have those, print, those painted brick. I just assumed that I could do this because it would conform with the new style of rehab that's going on in the area, the gentrification per se. But it didn't, it didn't conform essentially to the neighborhood and the people were frustrated. This is a neighborhood where they want to keep the history, the heritage of that red brick, that 1950s look. They're proud about this and I had no idea. Uh, but anyways, I had to go look it up. I had to look it up and, and they're loud and proud about keeping it. And I had no idea. So yeah, I was talking to the neighbor. I gave her a little money because she let us use water. We couldn't even, oh, this is another thing. We couldn't even get water cut on or electricity cut on because they shut us down. I literally had to go in and petition to them that we sandblasted the brick. We've ordered the windows, which we did. We ordered the windows, um, regardless of it taking forever. It was gonna take like two or three months to get these windows in, which is unheard of. I've never had to wait that long for windows. And I sent that to them. And then they finally allowed me to get electrical and water on. We get electrical and water on. But in the meantime, while I was working on the property, that's why I was paying, I wasn't paying the woman off for, you know, something illegal. I was paying her to use her utilities. She was fine with it. She's like, hey, cash money. I got you. You're my boy. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. But we were fleecing off of her, her utilities. We paid her with cash. She was happy. We we're paying her a little more than what she should have been paid, but it was okay. She allowed me to get the property done on the inside. By the time they finally allowed us to uh, yeah, get the utilities turned on after I showed them that the windows were ordered, pictures of the bl blasted paint was, was stripped. They gave us the authority to turn the utilities on. We finished the house. We put it on the market. And then, and then, 
<laughs> even after we're, we're moving forward and then we still can't get these windows. I, I, I put the property on the market for sale with the vinyl windows in. The windows will not come in. And then the committee came back and emailed me after we put it on the market that you have to have the windows in place before you put it on the market. I'm thinking in my head, I didn't tell them, we've already got this dang thing on the market. They're saying you can't sell this thing until you get this appeased. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So now I'm back in these different board meetings with people. And of course we're doing this through Zoom. You can't even get a meeting. This is why it's taking so long. You can't even get a meeting. I'm like mid-summer. I've already got my first contract. I'm dealing with this. Not even telling them what I'm dealing with. And I finally like, get frustrated. I've been doing this for since from February to like July. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And they're just running circles around me. I can't get the windows in. I can't get them in time. They're telling me I can't sell the house. I'm like, guys, I don't know what happened. I really don't even remember what I said to them, but I said something to them and it was just the God. It was the grace of God. Be honest with you. I'm a believer. It was the grace of God. I said something to them. Can't remember it. I've got emails to back it up. Uh, but something happened. Some, I don't, I gotta go back. I should have just relooked and read this for this episode, but I had to, I need to go back and look at this, but I emailed them and it went to like 18 different people on this committee. And one person said, Hey, you're good. Don't worry about it. Um, all, all, all is well. I'm like, yeah, I'm like thinking in my head, the way I read the email, it didn't hundred percent express that you can keep these windows in these vinyl windows, but it did say that. In a sense, I can keep these windows and, and I don't have to pursue moving the, putting these metal windows in, these 1950 replicas. So I just said, thank you. Holding on to those emails, just in case I ever need them. Try not to break any rules, but my gosh, this one has been a frustrating one. So then on top of that, this buyer that we're under contract with, get an inspection, a few things need to be done. We fixed it up for and then her, her financing fall through. I'm already into August at this point. We put it back on the market after being on the, off the market for a little while, under contract, pending, put it right back on the market, get another buyer, literally under contract for two or three months. And they midway through had to go find another lender because their DTI was messed up and something wasn't foreseen by this lender, which I'm, I've been doing this for 18 years and I understand that it could have been foreseen, so I'm getting really frustrated. But the person's lender is being jerked around, I mean, jerking them around. So I finally have to tell them to go check out with my lender. And my lender's like, this person can't get, a, can't get approved. There's no way. I'm like, great, I've lost two months here. So now we're probably somewhere in October. I finally get another contract, mid-October. Same thing. This buyer gets an inspection, finds a couple more things. You're always gonna find, you know, you know, guys talk, talking about inspections, inspectors are, are, are like, um, what was that saying? Buttholes. Everybody's got one. Appraisers are like buttholes. Everybody's got, got an opinion. Opinions are like buttholes. I think that's the saying. I'm coming up with something. If I'm making this up, I'm sorry. But everybody's got an opinion. Every inspector has a different opinion. They always have something that, that's, that's going to be found. An appraiser is always going to have a different opinion of value from one appraiser to the next one inspector to the next always gonna find something different 
So we fixed up literally between three contracts, every little thing we can. And then, and only then, we're gonna find out that they're having problems with their financing. So we're extending, we're extending. And I'm just holding on. I'm like, man, then we're already in December, beginning of December. Now we're midway through December. And I'm holding my breath. I finally got that clear to close yesterday. I worked my butt off. I hustled. I wasted so much time in this property. And after all the interest I've been paying, I should have made like $60,000 in this property. All the interest, all the wasted time, all the sandblasting and all the additional stuff and all the maintenance and, and uh, over the sum, spring, summer, fall, now winter, all the utility bills, everything adding up, all that hard money. And now I'm only gonna make like $8,000. Was it worth it? Yes. You're like, Brandon, why would this be worth it? There is no freaking way you're only making $8,000. All that trouble you went through, this is freaking asinine. How would this be worth it? Well, to be quite honest with you, it's worth it because A, now I realize <laughs> just because I see something, it doesn't mean that it's okay. Just because I see somebody painting a house in a neighborhood without a subdivision in an HOA doesn't mean it's okay because those neighborhoods, those neighborhoods in Atlanta actually have committees. I had no idea that this neighborhood in particular had a committee. I knew some of them do, but this one, I did, had no idea. So before I go do anything in a new area, this was the uh, first time I worked in this area, before I go do anything in a new area, I'm gonna do the research. This was the learning curve. I will do the research before I repair or renovate a home in a new neighborhood that I know nothing about. Just because the numbers look good doesn't mean that it's gonna be a good deal. So you have to beware, it's that buyer beware. If you're doing something for the first time in a new area, make sure you get your I's dotted and your T's crossed. So that's number one. Number two, I will make sure that I have an extra strategy for the worst case scenario. And for the most part I do, but I was doing so many deals at one time and earlier this year when Corona hit, everybody was paranoid. I was even paranoid. I had a lot of capital in the bank but I knew that if I don't do some things strategically, I'm going to you know, run out of money because I didn't know how long this was going. Here in Georgia, we opened back up, I think within three weeks. Um, the governor said, screw it. You know, I know people can take it or leave it, you know, whatever their opinion is, keep that to yourself. But hey, we were back in business, so we kept on going. But I, I had to maneuver to prepare for the worst case scenario when I foresaw that whatever I was dealing with here in this property, as well as, excuse me, as well as my business in this property in particular, I could tell I probably wasn't gonna get through this till the summer. So that was another thing. And then three, the experience, the experience, persuasion, persuasion and talking to people creatively and active listening and loving on people through all those freaking committees and all those phone calls and all those freaking Zoom meetings and all those emails. I had to use the power of persuasion and to tell people that I am just trying to help the neighborhood and, and all I wanna do is give a good home to a good home buyer and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And hey, I'm the victim here, not the house. You know, and, and, and that actually helped me become stronger because now I knew how to narrate the story 
And after several times, I get the email, which was basically their blessing to keep moving forward and, and don't worry. And I've got those to document it. So that took many, many, many meetings, many, many calls, many, many emails, et cetera, et cetera. And I got through it with faith, power of God. Like, look guys, look, I'm telling you right now, there's no way I could have got through this. I was at wit's end come into summer when I was told that I can't market this property. It was frustrating. It was annoying. It was exhausting, uber exhausting. And only by faith did I get through this one. So this is my most annoying, my most frustrating flip. Obviously I've talked to you guys about my worst flip. I lost money. My, my, uh, the flip that lost me the most amount of money, but this is my most frustrating and an annoying flip. And it happened to me 18 years in the business. It was annoying. You know, when you get caught up, when you get caught up in, in what you do and you're really good at it, you don't expect stuff like this to happen. But now, like I said, I'm, I'm expectant for the worst case scenario. I got to make sure I got capital in the bank. I can't run my capital too low. I used to be able to run it down to $250,000 and invest anything above it. Now I've got to keep it at least half a million dollars or more. With what I'm doing, I might even need to keep it at more. I got to, I'm, I'm, I want to be a smart businessman. I want to reinvest everything above $500,000, but my business is getting bigger. We're doing more deals. We're having, we're purchasing more rentals. So maybe I need to increase that to $750,000. I never want to run my capital too low. I never want to get into a new area where I'm doing something different um, or, 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 or even something that seems like it's conforming without the blessing of the, th the authorities in that area. And then on top of that, I need to do my due diligence. I need to keep doing more. I need to keep making sure that everything is going to be okay as I'm progressing through this. So, you know, I keep on in a lot of these episodes with the moral of the story is, well, the moral of the story is, is buyer beware, <laughs> buyer beware. Now, you know, I can give you guys so many, many more war stories. There's so many more things that have happened to me over the years. This is just one. And this happened to me 18 years in my business. So the moral of the story is anything can happen to anybody at any time you're doing anything with a piece of property, a piece of property is a liability and most people will tell you it's an asset yes you can convert it to an asset but a piece of property is a liability you got to make sure you have your 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 hedge of protection with your limited liability protection you got to make sure you have insurance you got to make sure you have good crews so you don't get screwed like one of those other episodes i've talked through you got to make sure you're doing your due diligence so the authorities don't stop you you got to make sure you're overfunded not just actually funded for that deal, but overfunded for the worst case scenario. You got to make sure that you are present with your deal, whether it's a rehab, it's a, it's a short-term rental, a long-term rental. You've got to make sure you mind your own business. Like Robert Kiyosaki says in rich dad, poor dad. Okay, guys, if you like this episode, go ahead and screenshot this episode, tag me in it on Instagram at Brandon G Thompson. Follow me on TikTok at Brandon G. Thompson. Look in the YouTube uh, link in the show notes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are doing probably three, maybe four YouTube videos a week and awesome different topics. It's going to be a mixture of long-term rentals and short-term rentals and fix and flips and wholesaling, just like this podcast. And then from there, 
I have my training programs. If you're new to real estate and you're trying to understand some of these four pillars of real estate even more, go to reisocietyedu.com, reisocietyedu.com. And guess what? On Christmas Day, we are releasing every one of these training programs for $249 a piece. As a Christmas present to you guys, it's the lowest price these have ever been. And if you're interested in one, go ahead and jump on reisocietyedu.com on Christmas Day. All right. See you in the next episode. Adios. Bye-bye.